Welcome to the Smiles Matter podcast by Microdental Laboratories. I'm Laura Kelly, and it's my pleasure to host our new series, Comeback Strategies for Today's Dental Practice. The good thing is that there are people out there and people there to support you. And if you do it right, it can be hugely rewarding, not just from a monetary standpoint, but from a patient satisfaction standpoint. You know, I think there's the old adage that, you know, no patient comes back in to thank you for a filling or a new crown, but patients love the fact that you're able to change their life because you change their sleep. With more patients diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea and dentists being in a position to treat patients through oral appliance therapy, it's not surprising that dental sleep medicine is one of the most relevant topics in dental continuing education. According to the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, dental sleep medicine is an extension of general dentistry with a specific concentration on providing treatment for adult patients who have been diagnosed with sleep disordered breathing including obstructive sleep apnea, OSA, snoring, and sleep-related bruxism. The current pandemic has brought new challenges to the dental profession, and at the same time, it has exposed new opportunities for clinicians to expand their skills and grow their practices while improving their patients' well-being. One such opportunity is dental sleep medicine, one of the fastest-growing sectors in dentistry. To expand upon the topic, I invited an expert on the matter to share his insights with us today. It is my pleasure to introduce David Walton, CEO and co-founder of Respire, a company focused on the design and fabrication of dental sleep treatment devices. In 2008, after graduating from the Royal College of Surgeons in England, David moved to New York and co-founded Respire in 2010. Over the last 10 years, he has grown Respire into one of the leading oral device companies and in 2015 led the acquisition by Whole U. With this new partnership, they will be developing new and innovative products over the next coming years. And today we will be hearing from David himself. So David, thank you for joining us today. We're excited to learn more about sleep medicine and dentistry's role with that. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. It's an exciting topic and it's a one that many want to talk about at the moment. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to talk through it. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So, you know, what are the most impactful COVID experiences that you think are affecting and transforming dental sleep medicine now? I would say that the impact of telemedicine and sometimes teledentistry has been the biggest impact for us. You know, there was a recent research article that came out from the Epic Health Research Network that said that sleep disorders are in the top 10 of telehealth diagnosis by volume over recent months. So, and I do think this will continue to grow as patients become more aware of of telehealth and teledentistry, partly because I think, you know, patients are very much aware of speaking to their medical doctor and and doing that via telemedicine, but not often aware of that they can actually do certain things with their dentist as well. So I thought that that article was really kind of timely because of COVID and because of how sleep medicine can be managed remotely in certain instances. That's really interesting. And I do agree. We're, we're hearing more of that on the restorative side, more teledentistry, telecase presentations. Can you once again reference that survey? Yes, it was from the Epic Health Research Network. Their recent article showed that sleep disorders are in the top 10 telehealth diagnosis by volume in recent months. So and I can certainly share that, that article with the team. 
Oh, that would be great. Top 10. I mean, that's a really large number. Is there any similarities or changes that are occurring right now in sleep medicine pre-COVID versus today? So aside from the, the telehealth side of things, one of the biggest moments recently was when the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine released a position paper that suggested that oral appliances are a safe alternative to CPAP treatment for sleep apnea during this period. And the theory behind this is because that CPAPs use an aerosol and it's recycling the air that the patients are breathing, which if you're recycling the air uh, over night after night, then that can build up contaminants. Um, And for a patient susceptible to COVID, this could obviously lead to consequences in their health. So having that that position paper come out, I think, brings a lot of awareness around oral appliance therapy and how oral appliances could really become a first-line treatment for certain patients. So I thought that was one of the most impactful of recent months. Interesting. Things that we don't really necessarily anticipate becoming relevant really can. And how many patients have the CPAP medicine treatment? Do you know the machine? So in terms of the machine, I don't have those numbers to hand, but I would say that, um, you know, the estimated numbers of people with undiagnosed sleep apnea in the U.S. any range anywhere from 30 to, to 50 million patients. And um, there's huge numbers, you know, the, some of the statistics show that one in five adults has some form of sleep disorder. So the, the, the patient pool, if you like, is huge and the amount of patients that need to get into some form of treatment is is enormous and and often CPAP um, being the 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 mask that people wear that is the patient perception of what treatment of sleep apnea is, and um, but thankfully as I said you know the, the statement that's come out from the academy really suggests that oral appliances could be used as a first line treatment even for those moderate to severe sleep apnea patients. And you know, David, when you and I were speaking earlier about your company and what you're doing a little bit differently than maybe some of the other sleep companies when it comes to reaching the patients and making it really easy for practices to to incorporate this into their offering, can you share a little bit more about that? I I thought it was really interesting what what you were saying. Yeah, so we've partnered with a few different groups. We've all got together and looked at this and said, okay, well, what are the challenges that some of the dentists are facing and getting into this. And it's not only just about a nice oral appliance. That, that's part of it, of course. It needs to fit. It needs to be comfortable. The patient needs to wear it. But the diagnosis and the medical insurance are, are a, really a big part of this. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more. Um, so the, the companies that we've joined together with are Pristine Medical Billing, sleepdesk.com, um, OSA University. And we've essentially come together and, and Sleep Test and Pristine are handling what's called their Physician Alliance Program. And this is to get patients through diagnosis, through the testing, through the insurance side of things, and then out the other end towards the oral appliances. So collectively, we're hoping to come together with a solution. And I believe that you have a, a, a webinar coming up quite soon about that. We do. We need to make sure that we, we share that at the end of the uh, podcast. I think the details will be very interesting to really share with dentists how easy you're making this to incorporate into their practice. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think a lot of, there's a lot of factors into terms of treating dental sleep medicine. Uh, and sometimes dentists can feel, so they have to put the pieces of the puzzle together and figure out, you know, all of the different steps. So with this solution, we're, we're independent companies, but we're coming together to support, um, to try and help the dentist guide them through that patient journey, 
Yeah. So you've created like a sleep ecosystem to help support people to get what they need. That's the goal. Yes. Yeah. To try and simplify it. Tell me, what is it that you have seen in your experience with working with so many dentists that holds them back from maybe incorporating sleep dentistry into their practice? What are some of those top areas? So, you know, in my experience, I've been doing this over the last, you know, 10 plus years. And, and you know, this is somewhat anecdotal, but I would say 60 to 70 percent of the dentists who get into this don't succeed to the levels that they expected. And to your question, why is that? You know, there, there are certain factors, but I would say that there's two main ones. And the first one is that they haven't been able to get paid from the insurance. And the second one is that they haven't been able to build a strong enough referral relationship with the physician community. Now, there are other factors, you know, staff not being trained correctly is another one. Uh, building an effective marketing strategy is, is another. But, but I would say the main reason is the insurance challenges and then the referral challenges with the medical community. What works for the referral? What have you seen really works that you've seen some success stories? You know, it's doctors who have really done a great job of connecting with that referral community. What, what approach have they taken? What strategies? So, you know, often the dentists getting involved in this um, think, okay, go to their local ENTs or the local physicians, and they ask them to refer their patients to them that are not compliant with CPAP. So the patients who can't wear the CPAP. And, and often they'll go to these ENTs and say, okay, I'm providing this service of oral appliances, send me the patients who are not compliant with CPAP and I'll treat them. And it really, it rarely becomes that successful. So my suggestion would be is, is don't do that. Don't go to the ENTs and say, let's please refer those patients over to me because it's probably not going to happen. Like a lot of people will tell you, try and do that, but I've seen it myself and it doesn't really happen. My suggestion, my advice would be to go to those ENTs and those pulmonologists and say, don't refer your patients to me. I will come into your practice and I'll work under your supervision and I'll treat your patients who are not compliant with CPAP. Now, there's a big difference there because one of the, the reasons the physicians don't want to refer their patients out is they, because they don't have full confidence that that patient will be treated correctly and then sent back to them. So by working in that physician's office, the physician can control the treatment, they can control the testing, the diagnosis, and maybe even the, the billing side of it. That, that's you know something else to discuss. But that is where I've seen the most successful dentists be really successful because they're working in the physician's office. It's a much more harmonious relationship it's somewhat of a human-centric relationship, and it keeps it all under one roof for the sleep physicians. That's really smart. It's just it's more of a collaborative approach, and you've removed sort of any type of uncertainty, or or you know, it's not a threatening approach. It's not either go here or go there. We're doing this together. Yeah, and we work a lot with with sleep physicians as well. Um, we actually have a, an advisory panel of, of sleep physicians who who work with us. And, you know, often the sleep physicians, if say if they're a pulmonologist who's specialized in sleep, they've they've had to go to school for, you know, three to five years to become a specialist in sleep. And and often dentists can go to, you know, a two week two a two day program over a weekend and start treating patients for sleep. Now it, ultimately this is a medical condition that has to be diagnosed by a medical doctor and overseen. You know, this is a medical model. So the, the physician needs to have confidence that their patients are being treated correctly. And often if they're going to refer them out, 
then they're unsure of, of, of the level of treatment that that patient's going to get. So by working in the physician's office, it seems to be a much more successful relationship for everybody. Oh, I'm glad you shared that. You know, and the other point that you brought up, David, was the difficulty in getting in getting paid. Can you speak a little bit to maybe what traditionally has been going on and what you're seeing now? Yeah, so in terms of getting paid, this is another very different part of dental sleep medicine than traditional dentistry because you're not no longer dealing with dental insurance. This is medical insurance that has to be diagnosed by a medical doctor um, and prescribed by a medical doctor as well. So to, in order to be paid by medical insurance, you then have to get in network with a medical insurance provider, or, or of course, bill out of network, but that, that obviously has its challenges. And if it's a cash pay patient, that also has its challenges. So getting in network with the medical insurances can, can, can often be a challenge and, and it takes time. You can't just simply just call up the medical insurance company and say you want an in-network contract because it, it takes a lot of time. Now, the good thing, the good news is that you don't have to do this by yourself. There are companies and organizations out there that can support and help you get in-network with the medical insurance companies. Um, so it's, it's not, not something that you have to do alone. Well, that's great. I'm, and I'm, I know we're excited to hear more about that, too, in the uh, in the webinar. I, I'm interested in, in hearing from you that uh, once a dentist, you know, a practice has decided to implement sleep dentistry into the practice, what, what do you see as the first steps and the considerations that they should pay attention to? So I think the first question is, and with any kind of business plan, is what do you expect from dental sleep medicine? You know, what is the objective here? Is it to do one or two appliances for patients per month, just helping out your patients as they come through the door? Let's say that's option one. Or is it two? Is it to diversify your practice into dental sleep medicine, become the go-to person in your area, and be doing 30 plus devices per month? And let's say that's option two. So, you know, some of the fundamentals are the same. If you want to get into this, it starts with education. Education for, for the dentist primarily. Now there are courses out there that you can go to. You know, Dr. John Tucker um, runs some great courses, both introductory and more senior educational courses. I would say attending the American Academy annual meeting is, is a big part of that. You'll learn a lot there. You also can become boarded in dental sleep medicine, but also, you know, speak to the labs. You know, the team at Microdental, the team at Respire, you know, we've They've built up a wealth of knowledge over the years. You know, we've done tens of thousands of appliances at this point, and we've seen so many different scenarios, not, not just clinically with, you know, if the patient, say, is a class three and it has a big curve of speed, yes, we can solve that problem. But also we've talked to so many dentists going through this that if they have challenges with, with the testing and the diagnosis or the insurance, you know, the labs really have a huge wealth of knowledge. Um, so, but beyond training, I think the next thing is to train the staff. Um, and there are companies out there like OSA University who can train their staff remotely and put them through a course because it's, it's very different to, to train the staff for dental sleep medicine. They need to know how to answer the phone differently, how to do case presentations differently, and how to spot certain things in patients coming through. So having the team trained is the next most important thing. And then I would say after that, you really need to create a screening protocol um, and update the office workflows. So for example, if the patient is in hygiene and is falling asleep in the chair, 
or has a high malampati score, meaning that they don't have much space between the tongue and the soft palate, everybody in the office should know what to do with that patient. They need to get them into screening, into a test, and ultimately into a diagnosis. So the staff need to know how to ask the right questions because it's certainly not just driven by the dentist. It is a very staff-driven dri driven treatment. Then the next you know, part of this, if you want to get into it, is the, the insurance and figuring out the insurance. And it can become quite complex. But again, there are companies like Pristine Medical Billing that can help guide you through that. It can even help get you in network with some with some insurance companies and ultimately help you get paid. Um, beyond that, I would say understanding the testing and the diagnosis. And for this, there's really two options. The first option is that you're um, doing home sleep studies in, in your office or you send them out to a sleep lab to do an external um, PSG diagnosis. So, But you don't have to go out there and spend $10,000 on, on home sleep study devices. You know, there are companies out there like um, sleeptest.com uh, and others, uh, Virtuox is another, that can handle some of the logistics of getting your patients a home sleep study and getting you a diagnosis. But, but going back to what I was saying before, Laura, the um, option two would be if you really want to do this on a bigger scale and really become the key opinion leader in your area. You know, I think all of those fundamentals are still important, but, but like with any business plan, the decision is, okay, customer acquisition. Where are these patients going to come from? Because screening all of the patients in your office isn't probably going to be enough to get you to that high goal of being that key opinion leader. So you need to build that referral network. Um, so as I said before, often dentists can think, well, I'm going to go to the local ENT or the local pulmonologist and ask them to refer the, the non-compliant CPAP patients to them. And as I said before, my, my suggestion would be not to do that. I would go to those physicians and try and build a relationship, but actually try and work in their office so they can control the testing, the diagnosis, the treatment. Um, so I, I think those are really some of the the main steps of getting started with, with dental sleep medicine. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Those are good tips. Any particular online community in sleep that you find really valuable? Well, we actually have our own LinkedIn group. Um, it's called the Whole You Sleep Health Committee. And there's a lot of physicians on there and, and there's a lot of discussion going on about, you know, not only the dental side of it, but also the physician side of it and the medical side of it. So I think LinkedIn has some really interesting groups on there online, and it's a good kind of resource for you. David, can you share what role sleep medicine can make in, in helping build a practice? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Laura. You know, and this is one of the reasons many dentists get into treating dental sleep medicine is, is how can I rebuild or, or re-energize my practice? You know, 10 years ago when I first got into this, reimbursements for dental sleep medicine oral appliances was between three to six thousand dollars maybe even higher in some cases you know that's now closer to a national average of twenty five hundred dollars so there is a significant financial benefit of course but please don't think of this as something where you can just take an impression and a bite insert an oral appliance and get paid three thousand um, dollars you know dental sleep medicine can be portrayed as something like that where you know, you treat 10 patients a month, you get an extra $30,000. That's an extra $360,000 a year. But please don't take it as that because it's, that's really not what it is. You know, on a clinical side, maybe in its simplest form, that could be the case. But there are so many other factors to consider, primarily the medical insurance. You know, no longer are you dealing with 
you know, in a dental model, you're now in a medical model, meaning that you're working with medical doctors who are diagnosing a medical condition. You know, your staff need to be retrained, not, not how to take impressions, of course, but how to talk to the patients that have a disease that's slowly depriving them of the energy that they need to function. You know, case presentations are now different. Handling patient calls are now different. You know, let's not get into the, the medical insurance and explaining that to the patients because that's also different. But, you know, your relationships and your referral networks are also different. Uh, you need to connect with ENTs, pulmonologists, cardiologists. You know, but like we talked about before, Laura, the, the good thing is that there are people out there and people there to support you. And if you do it right, it can be hugely rewarding, not just from a monetary standpoint, but from a patient satisfaction standpoint. You know, I think there's the old adage that, you know, no patient comes back in to thank you for a filling or a new crown, but patients love the fact that you're able to change their life because you change their sleep. You know, there's so many, you know, added benefits that come with that. Um, but, you know, as my good friend, Dr. John Tucker says, dental sleep medicine is not difficult. It's just different. It's it's very different. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and Dr. Tucker is a great resource too. We we uh, have a nice relationship with him, and um, have had him do some lectures for us. So thanks for mentioning him as well. And and thank you, David, for sharing that. And it's good to hear that what your your company is doing and how you've put together the group of people to help. That you're some of these topics you're talking about and introducing to us that seem complicated or could be difficult, you're really looking at how to make this easy for a dentist to put into their practice to help them rebuild and build their practice with a sleep medicine. If I'm hearing you correctly, that's what I'm I'm taking away. Yeah, I think our role as, as the lab side of things is... Um, it's really that we need to be providing more than more than a dental appliance because we, we see so many dentists getting into this. And as I said earlier, the, a lot of them don't succeed. And, and, and the question is, how can we help prevent that drop off? You know, how can we help support, whether it's with the, the, the medical ad, insurance advice or the sleep testing advice, whatever it is. Um, and that's why we're trying to come together in the webinar that you have coming up. We'll, we'll showcase a lot of that about how we can support our dentists to become successful in this so we can all benefit from it. Great. Thank you so much for your time today, David, and for the information. Uh, really appreciate and uh, enjoyed learning from you today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Laura. You've been listening to the Smiles Matter podcast, created by Microdental and Modern Dental Laboratories. For more information, you can go to our website, www.microdental.com slash smilesmatterpodcast. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are available. Thank you for listening, because we believe that smiles matter.